Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Well, I want to welcome all of those who are joining us on all the social media avenues that we have. You are in for a treat today. I tell you, um, man, we're thrilled to have Pastor David and Wendy Hilton from Dayton, Texas here to minister with us today. Uh, David and Wendy have just been great friends for, my goodness, getting close to 20 years now. Getting close to 20 years now. I was in their church last weekend. I spoke down there that last weekend and said, you got to come up here and be in our church with us this weekend. They've just had a huge impact on this church, whether you realize it or not. So many of our interns, so many of our campers in summer camp come from their church. The guy standing right here a few minutes ago, Jason Ross, uh, leading us in worship and working in our school, a vital part of our church, came to us through them. So whether that is a blessing for you or not, Cindy, I don't don't know. But anyway, uh, Jason has been a huge blessing for us in this church in just so many ways they they have blessed our church. Say, well, I've never seen David before. I don't know. Well, you may have and you just didn't realize that you've seen him. How many of you ever have watched the PBR, the Bucking Bulls, on TV? Anybody else? Hands everywhere here. You watch PBR. Well, when that chute opens and that guy hanging over pulling that bull rope, most often that's David Hilton. So you might have seen him. You just didn't know that he was who he was. But David is one of the major bull producers for the PBR. Uh, He and now his sons, they haul bulls all over the United States. Every every couple of weeks, that PBR is in a different state. Hearing David talk about driving a massive truck and trailer right down through downtown New York City. Now, that's a deal there. Uh, He's been in all the major cities all across this nation hauling bulls to those PBRs and And God's just really blessed their business. They've blessed their bull business in a tremendous way. He's just one of the top producers in the country with what they produce and raise. And their church has just got it going on. Now, I'm talking about a great church. Paul was just down there a few weeks ago doing leadership conference there. These are just great friends of ours, and you are about to really be blessed. Y'all welcome David Hilton. David, come and share the word with us. Oh, my goodness. It is great to be here. Um, Man, I just honor Tim and Terry and Paul and Angela uh, just for everything that they've done um, over the years. It's, we can't even, I know Ross, Jason Ross wanted me to speak more about him, but... um, (laughs) It's just a great, great feeling to be able to come to family, you know, and that's, I just consider uh, these guys family, and um, we just honor them, and Hedy Lou, my Lord, 50 years of ministry, and I mean, Hedy's doing a women's seminar right now, I I mean, it's just incredible, you know, and, and that they're nuts and bolts and practical, making the Bible relevant. It, it saved our ministry, 
uh, it literally, you know, I, I didn't know um, you could be a pastor and want to choke people until I met Tim, <laughs> you know? And I thought, well, if it's okay for him to do it, you know, I, I kept waiting for that loving, coddling to kick in, and I, I'm not. You know, it just wouldn't, you know? And then I met him, and I'm like, <laughs> boom, you know? And so we just honor you guys, and, and I'm telling you, y'all got some great leaders in here. I mean, Paul Kern, golly, sir. I just can't, when he comes, I'm telling you, it's just unbelievable what you have right here. It's unbelievable. And not everybody has this. I mean, we travel all over the country and I'm, it's just, I'm like, yeah, it's like pulling teeth, you know? And, and so, and it's always refreshing to come here and see people doing what the word says, making disciples. And that takes work. It, it takes work, you know? And uh, so I just honor these. Y'all honor your pastors. I'm, it's amazing. Amazing. Well, the title of this is Sons and Daughters of Faith. And we are living in a time where we, we need faith. And, uh, but just think, just think about because here's the deal. If you can get out of your mind, you're just saved to go to heaven, you, you can, you're going to make it. But if you can't, and you just think you're saved to go to heaven, you're going to miss out. Because Christianity culture in America has made coming to Jesus a finish line instead of the starting line. And so Christians all across the country have forgot that we have a mandate to occupy and work out our salvation in front of the world. And the enemy's done a great job at deceiving us. And so just think for a moment of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve only knew good. They only knew life. They just think of it this way. They would be sitting on their back porch. God would come walking by and just, hey guys, how's it going? Well, man, we seen the doggondest thing today. We seen an animal with a neck that was that dapple spot eating out of the tops of the trees. Yeah, God said, well, what'd you name it? Giraffe. Awesome. Well, that's what it'll be from here on. It'll be a giraffe. And I mean, they would just sit there and go back and forth and fellowship. And yet, can you imagine the discussion over the duck-billed platypus? I mean, how did that go? I mean, you know, God, you're funny. You surprised us with that one, but we come up with a good duck-billed platypus. You know God had to crack up. You know? A platypus. What's a platypus? That's just the first thing popped in her mind. That's so funny, guys. And they just fellowship back and forth. 
See, we never knew that kind of good. We have never known that kind of life. And just like Abraham setting out on a journey to a place that he doesn't know where he's going, even what it looks like, that's us when we come to Jesus. We are going to experience something that we don't know nothing about, life. We've got a distorted view of life, what the world tries to tell us. Come on. That's like most of us in here don't know what love is. Because we get our, what we think love is from, from soaps, stories. And we think it's a home run, a fireworks, and we don't know it's work. We don't know it's an act of, uh, yeah, this woman I married, I don't even know this woman. God, I don't even like, I want my rib back. See, we don't understand or equate love to that kind of unconditional. Come on. See, we don't know. That's, we can't even wrap our head around that. So when we receive Christ and start believing, we're headed to something that we don't know nothing about. Nothing. And that's why in this day and time, we're going to have to walk by faith, and the enemy's always trying to rob us of it. In Numbers 14, 24, it says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. See, we don't know anything about and so we're going to have to follow God fully, and that's going to take faith. And here's the thing about it. When you're following God fully, it's not going to look right, and it's not going to sound right. Because here's the deal. Being of a different spirit looks different, sounds different. And from a world's perspective, it's going to look rigid, unloving, prudish, bigoted and weak. And right now, the world is trying to label Christianity. Come on. And faith to religious, and from a religious perspective, it's going to look irrational, irreverent, and rebellious. From a religious perspective, perspective. See, God's never called us to be religious. He wants to sit on the back porch with you. He wants to sit on the front porch with you. He wants to walk and you follow him. See, there's no reasoning when it comes to true faith. Your mind can't reason out Faith, Hebrews 11 tells us, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. Faith, now faith is the evidence. It's the, it's the conviction of things not seen. It says now faith is the assurance. The assurance is the security and the insurance of what we can't even see. Right off the bat, faith is defined by what you can't see. 
You're just hoping for it. Right off the bat. Because, see, we don't know what it looks like. We, we, we don't know. But when we come to Jesus, we believe that he is the creator. He is. And so faith is not, you're not going to be able to, to, uh, to, to kind of wrap your head around some things at times. So in reality, what you can't see is more of a reality than what you can see. See, if you go on reading in verse 6, it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. So we've got an enemy always trying to rob us of faith. Habakkuk 2, 4, it says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. And here's the thing about that word proud. It means an exaggerated opinion of one's own qualities and abilities. That's what the word proud means. See, in Proverbs tells us there's a way that seems right, but its end is death. And right now, we got a lot of proud people saying their way's right. But their soul's not right in them. And then it goes on to say, but the righteous, the ones in right standing, in right alignment with the kingdom of God will live by faith. So we're going to live by faith. We're not going to live by our stuff. See, some people live from their bank account, from their reputation, from their, come on. But it says the righteous are going to live by faith. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Paul is commanding Timothy. He's not just suggesting here. He's commanding Timothy because Timothy is left in a wasp nest. <laughs> you ever felt like you ever stepped into a wasp nest? And there's a bunch of false teaching and he's trying to tell him, look, you're going to have to take care of this false teaching and you're going to have to uh, have order in your worship. And he says, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Notice, we always say, keep the faith. But the, Paul said, no, keep faith. See, when you start talking, keep the faith, we, we're talking religiously. Doctrinally. Traditionally. But when you say keep faith, that tells me I'm going to have to bear down. I'm fixing that to fight. Paul described salvation as work it out. Then he described it as a race. And then now he's describing it as fight the good fight. And here I'm telling you right now, being saved, it is work. And it is a fight to stay in the race to keep faith. Wow. 
Because I'm telling you right now, there's somebody in here that you've been struggling and you got one foot in and you got one foot out. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to get both feet in and you're fixing to start learning how to fight. Because somebody is saying, what's the use? And the enemy's trying to rob you of what's coming your way. You got to keep faith. Keep faith. Don't let it rob you. I know it's tiring. It's tiresome. Because we get to looking at things everywhere around us. Keep faith. See, we ain't. Here's what you have to realize you ain't fighting for heaven. See, that's that old mindset oh, I'm saved. I got my fire insurance. I watch it all the time in our business. Them heathens, before they get on the bull, every one of them prays. <laughs> and they treat Jesus as an add-on like a lucky rabbit's foot, and he ain't no lucky rabbit's foot. Let me tell you something. Keep faith. It's a fight. It's a battle. It's a race. It's a race. See, you're in a battle of faith to get back to life that we lost in the garden so that we can fulfill the mandate that is on our life. See, faith is what will drive you to act on what you hope to see one day. And that's fruit. See, we are to bear fruit, and faith drives us to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness. Let me tell you, every person that just hit and misses in church, they, their thought is, I want to be faithful, but dead gum, it's, the lake is calling my name. You know? See, faith will keep you in the fight. The decisions you make today is gonna affect your future tomorrow. True faith, first point, true faith will break up some customs and traditions. Because I'm telling you, when you start living by faith, mom and daddy just may not understand what is going on in your life and they've been in church for 70 years. Remember, it's irrational. It seems rebellious. It seems unreasonable. Come on. True faith will make you uncomfortable, and it won't make sense. How many times in the Bible do we read and God just don't make sense? It don't make sense to go to a dead end to a Red Sea. That's not a good battle plan. <laughs> Jonathan and his armor bearer perhaps got, that's perhaps is not a good battle plan. <laughs> but what Jonathan say? He can save by many or he can save by few. Faith come out of his mouth. 
What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? What did Daniel say? Even if he don't, you better believe that I don't care. Because my God's God. Come on. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 20. And behold, a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him, touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, if only, if I only touch his garment shall get well. But Jesus turning and seeing her said, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. Listen, tradition and custom was that when you were unclean, she was considered unclean because of the hemorrhage of blood. And she was supposed to walk through the town and when people came up, she was supposed to declare herself unclean. This woman broke tradition and custom because she began to think. She had heard a word about this man, Jesus, that he was healing people, that, his, that he, was, he was walking and touching people and they were, leprosy was leaving, dead were being raised, ears were being opened, blind eyes seeing, and she heard that, began to think on that, then she began to say it, come on, and then her actions began to drive her to touch his robe. It wasn't the touch. Jesus didn't say, because you've touched me and you finally got here, I'm healed. It was her faith that made her whole. It had nothing to do with the touch or the flackeries of his robe. Come on, because it says in the Bible, but they do all their deeds, all the priests and the scribes do all their deeds to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets. And, and they, here's, a, it was the one-upsman deal. Their robes, they would, oh, well, so-and-so over there, well, Fred, he's got his, I'm gonna lengthen mine a little longer. It wasn't the robe. It wasn't touching the robe. It was her thought process saying, I've got to get to him. If I get to him, and then her words began to stir her, and then her action, come on. See, that was out of bounds, man. That broke custom and tradition. Her faith stepped out. Boom. Regardless of people's protocols, she moved. Regardless. True faith may just be understanding also who's in charge and has authority. 
See, sometimes we don't understand and we get whipped all the time because we don't understand who has authority and who's in charge here. Luke 7, 9, it says, Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled. He turned and said to the multitude that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. If this was a centurion who wanted his servant to be healed, he was a Roman, he wasn't even a Christian, a Jew, he, he was nothing. And he told him, he said, I too am a man under authority. And, I, and people who come, they, they come. And when I tell them to go, they go. When I tell them to do, uh, he said, and I, I have to do the same thing. Listen, this man didn't know anything about custom, tradition, or protocol. He knew kingdom principles, and he knew authority. And Jesus equated it to faith. Jesus didn't make religious statements. See, we're all, we read this word through this religious set of lenses that messes us up. When Jesus, it tells us nothing is impossible with God. Faith goes beyond reason. That's human reason. You don't walk on water being in human reasoning. Right? And Jesus equated this. He made kingdom government statements that his, he's the new sheriff in town. See, this guy simply understood authority, not religion duties. He knew kingdom government, governance and he knew it worked because he'd been seeing it in Jesus' life. He said, you just say the word. You don't even have to come to my house and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I ain't seen faith like this anywhere. What a slap in the face of all the religious people. But what Jesus did was peel back the lack of. Just like 2020 peeled back the layer of the lack of faith in the American church. Come on. See, faith is living in peace and rest during unrest and uncertainty through just the mundane things that goes on in life. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, verse 14. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Yeah, Matthew 8. I'm not in the right place. I worked better under pressure a while ago in the first service, it seemed like. <laughs> Matthew 8, 14. And when Jesus had come to Peter's home, I'm still not in the right place. So 
Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came up, said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Now, that's not a, like a, a, a membership drive right there. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? That's not like, hey, everybody come, oh, don't worry about them. I mean, that's pretty doggone unsensitive. Yeah, but you're supposed to love me and coddle me and uh, I, I'm going somewhere. Jesus said, I'm going somewhere. We got things to do here. He said, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him and behold, there arose a great storm in the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he himself was asleep. And they came to him and awoke him saying, have, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you timid, you men of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. And the men marveled, saying, what kind of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is a man who has authority. This is a man who's in control of his emotions. He doesn't have to have a cry room. Come on. Or a safe space. Um, no, this is a man who speaks. Who speaks to it. And then he tells us, now you speak to it. Now you speak to it. We're living in a society where, where we have anxiety at an all-time high. We are, in, we, are, we are in this boat that is like this. And people are running around hollering the sky's falling and doom and gloom and end times. And Jesus is up in front of the boat and he's like, come on, what, what's wrong with y'all? I'm not here to, dis I, I, listen, quite frankly, the word tells me I don't have to care about end times, doom and gloom. I know there's people out there that do. I happen to not because I have no control of that. But I know who's in control of it. And so I just go on living my life trying to fulfill the mandate that's on my life. Come on, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There's a lot of stuff out there that's trying to... Ooh. And it's got people panicking. We ain't supposed to panic. We're not supposed to be the people losing our head. We're supposed to be the people in the boat going, storm, I speak to you and be still. We were bucking bulls one night and we, oh man, this big, black, beautiful, just, I mean, you look at him and your old hands start sweating. He's just that beautiful. He's just, just solid as rock, couldn't pinch no skin on him. And mister, he was bad. I'd been talking to these boys for weeks 
about we don't, we don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind and God's got our back and we can't put our trust in our helmets and mouthpieces and vests and but we put them in God and, and first boy crawled in there and I'm talking about this bull just slammed him in the front of the slide and, and, and dislocated his shoulder. So we peeled him out of there. We put another one in there with him. And I mean, we're getting him going and he's pulling his, in this some gun, he does it again and cracks the wrist on one. And so now he's out of there and we get another one. And I'm talking about they're melting at this point. And I mean, their, their words are starting to get real crazy. And finally, I started listening. And I'm walking on the back of the bucket chute, and I'm like, y'all say the dumbest things. I peeled that kid out of there, and I crawled down in there on that bull, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I speak peace to you. I come against that rebellion, and I slid my feet down on him, and he just stood there. And I began to preach for 15 minutes about the peace of God and how God wanted to be this big in them as he was right here. And the peace of God fell over that arena. And I'm telling you, I began to see tears roll down their eyes. And a year later, I'm at a bull riding and a boy comes up and he's telling me how they need to come. They're going to come to church. And then he begins to tell me and preach back to all the guys standing around what I'd preached in that bucket shoot. What are you saying? And I, I don't, I'm not telling everybody, oh, you got it. You know, you're going to have to work. It's 40 years of me working through that. Come on, I've spoke to bucking horses before. We had one horse, every time you walked to the pen to sort her out, she would come to that gate and just run through it. I mean, there's no telling how many guys broke their nose, had stitches, and I'm telling you right now, as God is my witness standing right here today, is, is I had to, was worming, she reared up to paw me. That's how mean this old gal was. Something about them females. She reared up and went to paw me and hung her foot in the post of the bucket chute and ripped the back of it. Now I got to doctor this wench. <laughs> right? So I'm headed in that pen and I just start in the name of Jesus. I come against that rebellion. And let me tell you something. She's standing there and on the muscle. If you don't know what on the muscle is, you just walk up to a pen and watch a bull or a horse and they get on that muscle. And I mean, it's like. <laughs> and let me tell you, when they get on the muscle, they can move so fast. You, you can't even wink, blink, nothing. And so I steadily walk over there to her. And for one week, I would walk up to her praying over her, and I would reach down, pick her foot up and doctor it. We have to understand who's in charge and the authority that we have and carry as believers. 
Come on, are y'all with me? Matthew 8. Did I already read that? Yes. Who's in control? Number three, true faith at some point is our individual responsibility, not the pastor's. Myself, Paul, Tim, we can't live your faith. You got to nod your head to that. You're the one that has to crawl down in there and nod your head with that. It becomes your responsibility at the end of the day. Mark 8. Verse 14, and they had forgotten to take bread, the disciples, and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And Jesus was giving orders to them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss with one another the fact they had no bread. It's like their ADD kicked in in a teaching moment and they just spaced out, never heard what he said. You know? And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see or understand? Do you, do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? Uh, 12. Could you imagine that conversation? Uh, yeah, there was 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? They said seven. He was like, don't y'all understand? Mm -mm, they don't because what happens is in our everyday life and stuff going on, they lost faith. And when he said something about bread, their humanity kicked in and they were like, oh, did gummit out of all that stuff we collected, we left it. Like he couldn't do it again. He was just out of magic potion. You know, and we do that. We get to going in life and we get to rowing and going and following. And next thing you know, we just, we, we just forgot. We just come untrained. And Jesus like, don't you understand? And he was trying to teach them in that moment. Verse 22, and they came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and entreated him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village and after spitting on his eyes <laughs> and laying his hands upon him, he asked him, do you see anything? <laughs> Spit. <laughs> and he looked up and said, I see men for I'm seeing them like trees walking about. Then again, he said, he, then again, he laid his hands upon his eyes and he looked in, intently and was restored. 
and he began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. Listen, this is so intriguing to me because Jesus who lays hands on people and they're healed. Jesus who uh, spoke to the dead and they're alive. Why didn't first spit do it? I mean, was the spit not good enough the first time? And he asked the guy, what are you seeing? And he said, man, here's what got me. How does a blind guy know what a tree looks like? Because everybody in the village had been describing and defining life for him. And you got a woke culture right now and a media who's trying to define and tell you what you're seeing. And I ain't buying it. Because people don't, listen, they're teaching a generation what to think instead of how to think. Jesus asked over 300 questions and never gave an answer. And he wanted this guy right here to define what he's seeing, to think on his own, and then he said, don't go back there again. You. See, it wasn't his faith that brought him there. It was them. And now Jesus wanted him to start defining and having faith. So that he wasn't relying on somebody else standing in a pulpit to tell him what he's seeing. Come on, are y'all with me? See, faith is going to grow and come through us believing and experiencing it through living life. There's no way around that. It's not, you're not just going to magically have this greater abundance of faith. I wish it was so, but he says he gives to everyone a measure of faith and that measure can grow. A mustard seed could move mountains, but it's got to grow. See, we have to do life. Romans 10, 16. Lord, who has believed our report? Let me go there. Go to Romans chapter 10. Verse 16. However, they did not all heed the glad tidings for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say truly, they have never heard, have they? Indeed they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Listen, the word of God is out there. And those who believe are the ones who are running with it and they're doing something with it, and they're living life according to the word, and they're working the word, and they're seeing it happen. Those are who believe the word. The ones who are willing to 
fight the good fight, those who are willing to work out their salvation, those who are willing to hope for something that they can't even see. Come on. That word has gone out. See, we hear and we believe, then we start saying it, then we start acting on it, which is that fight of fight, that fight of faith, and then experience, and then faith grows. And something we always are teaching all the time is, is we, we say it, uh, that gifts and talents only take you as far as your character can keep you. Because I've seen so many young men who are very talented, one of the greatest bull riders to ever live, nobody even knows. Because he spent most of his time in prison. He gets out of prison at the age of 52, goes to the practice pen and hoes it out of one. Greatest bull rider to ever live, nobody even knows who he is. Because his gifts and talents couldn't keep him where his character could. And so you, what we, the other thing that we back that up with is thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, and our habits become our character. So when we're reading the word and we're hearing the word, it's helping our thought process. And then a thought process begins to come a process for our life in our words, what we're saying begins to shape and we begin to follow God according to our words, hoping for what the word's telling us it's saying. Yep. And then those actions start becoming our habits and that habit becomes our character. I can tell you my mama's 83 years old and her character is, is when I was in high school at 4.30 in the morning, she'd crack her Bible open and read and pray for me. That's her character. And at 83, she still walks a mile and a half one way and back to the house praying. Come on. And when our actions, see, it's so vital that we're saying, what we're saying here is vital because it's our faith. It's not, because we're not seeing it yet doesn't mean it's not coming. And so we have to have faith and we have to keep speaking. See, and then our actions tell us our actions tell the world and it tells the devil what we're thinking on. Because it's your actions and it's your habits that the devil's watching to steal you and rob you of your faith. See, he don't know what you're thinking, but he knows what your actions are. He knows what your habits are, so he's just gonna keep pushing that. Come on, y'all see that. And he begins to set the trap. Because listen, our character becomes the fruit of our life. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness. See, we have to start working on our thoughts and our words and our actions. I was telling Eli yesterday or the day before, if Here's how slumps start. Slumps start right here. Any sports 
I don't care what sport you're doing. I just relate everything to roping, catching, riding. If I'm going to a cow and all I'm thinking is don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss. What am I going to do? This isn't positive thinking. No, this is lining our thoughts and our words and our actions up. Because what happens is if we're going, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, don't miss, and we miss, we throw our sucker in the ground, we take our toys and go home. And then we pout over it. Come on. No, that's not what we do. We learn. We're not losing, we're learning. We're not losing, we're learning. Luke chapter 22. Y'all okay? Some people never dig out of a slump. And that's always sad to me. Because basically, and you'll hear it all the time, man, just go back to the basics. Just go back to the basics. And and the other day, we we were in the arena and, and I would hold the steer's tail and work with Eli with his shoot dog. And, and, and if, he, if he didn't set right, I would, I would stop him, say, no, stop, reset. Because he would want to try to keep fighting. See, sometimes we're at a point right now where we got to stop, reset, do it right. Come on. And quit fighting all the, no, when there's techniques and things that we do that, man, it make life a lot easier. No, stop, reset. Let's do it again. Stop, reset. Let's do this again. And, And here's what, and it was so funny because he'd want to, he'd want to get off his feet and he didn't have no leverage. No, we got to get back on our feet and get in the game. We got to get back on our feet as Christians. Verse 31. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. He, go, he doesn't call him Peter here. He's been calling him Peter for who knows how long since he met him. He calls him Peter. When he had the realization, when, when Simon had the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, he said, you're Peter. See, we have to have the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the one in authority. He is the one in control. And that's where he said, upon that rock of revelation, I'll build my church. And we individually are the church. He said, Simon, Simon. He said, Simon means a reed tossed here and there in the running water. He said, Simon, Simon. 
Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. I'm here to tell you, it's not just the pastors that go through a sifting. It's every one of us. Because as soon as you get out of your mind, the thought that, well, I'm not called to pastor. Yeah, but you're called. You're called to work this thing out. You're called to fight the good fight. You're called to run your race. Come on. You're called to keep faith. Every person in here is called to keep faith. And what did Jesus say? Well, I've prayed that your ministry will not fail you. That's not what he said. I pray that your bank account may be flourishing, overflowing. I pray that you're going to be able to keep all your stuff. I pray that you're going to be able to keep all your friends. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he said, I pray that your faith won't fail you. Then he says the most astounding thing, and when you turn, and this is where you're at, you got that one foot, you've been going through that sifting. He says, when you turn, he says, encourage your brothers. Because see, the thief is coming after your faith because he can shut off what you are going to bear and produce and that's fruit because if you don't bear fruit you ain't got no seed the seed is in the fruit that you bear so if you're not come on is anybody in here so if, you, if the enemy can keep you from bearing fruit, you don't have no seed to sow to advance the kingdom in somebody else's life. So how vital is this word for you today? Stand with me. See, the devil's been sifting in here. And what happens is, is we get to looking around at circumstances and situations and we start trying to let other people define what's going on in the body when we need to be telling them zip come on and it starts robbing us of faith and then it starts breaking up a ministry then it starts come on and then your faith starts and you're like, what's the use? And then you're kind of waffling back and forth here and there. And, and then all of a sudden, it's like, man, you're, you're on an island. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody here. Come on, I want to pray for you. If you've been going through a sifting, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Come on, no guilt, no condemnation. But I'm telling you, sometimes we get to looking at situations and circumstances going on. I see them, they're still popping up. We get to looking at things going on in the culture. We get to looking at things going on in church. We get to listening to, come on. 
Father, I come to you this morning. I pray and I speak faith, perseverance, and endurance. Father God, I pray that we rear up on our faith and we follow you fully. We follow you fully, knowing we don't know what it looks like. But Lord, we're gonna stick this thing out and we're gonna fight the good fight because there's others who are shipwrecked in their faith. Lord, help us to produce fruit that even those that are running aground can see and know the way to go. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you right now. I thank you right now. What do you see? What are you seeing? Are you seeing clearly yet? Are you seeing clearly? Come on. Lord, stir in their hearts to remember, to dream the impossible. That it can be achieved. That I am called. Father, I thank you and I praise you for these in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.